Greetings humans and welcome to the 7th edition of Lefteris Ask Science. I hope you still manage to keep sane and be close with your loved ones. I've been thinking a lot lately about the content of the podcast and my goal hasn't changed. I would like to help people understand how scientists work in the hopes that people will be a bit more informed when they listen to the news or watch YouTube videos about people that say that they have quote-unquote researched things and understand what actually research is, how unflashy it is, and what it takes to do actual research. Of course, during this COVID-19 situation, there has been many issues that I'd like to talk about that are both scientific and in terms of how science works. But maybe I'll need a special episode of the podcast through this channel. Uh, I'm still thinking about it, but stay tuned. Maybe in the next few days, uh, I will have another upload. Now, on with today's episode, where I met Dr. Yves Paquette from the City University of London, where he does numerical work focusing on interaction between cavitation bubble collapse and soft material. Again, if the jargon sounds too complicated, that's what I'm here for. But before we go on with the interview, I'd like to remind everyone to use the hashtag LeftarisAskScience to ask questions, send your comments, and follow me on Twitter at LeftarisAskscience. Let's get to the interview now with Dr. Paquette explaining what is cavitation, or in other words, the creation of bubbles in solids and how these bubbles affect the environment around them when they burst. So the main idea of what I am doing is uh, studies around the phenomena of cavitation. Phenomena of cavitation, this is a simple but extremely complex phenomena that happen in water. Yeah. In water you have like boiling, which is like when you cook pasta, your temperature is increasing and you start to have bubbles of vapor that are creating. There is another way to create vapor, is to have or a drop of pressure inside the fluid. It means that the force that are linking the molecule together. So when this force gets less important, or when you have a extremely high velocity that, let's say, break a bit this uh, connection between molecules, you can have more space between this molecule, that means that your water will go from the state of liquid or the state of vapor. But what is happening with this kind of uh, phenomena is when you have this pocket of vapor or this bubble of vapor that are created, and they are traveled by the flow in, a, let's say, uh, in a place in the fluid that they are surrounded by a much higher pressure, there is like a disequilibrium, and this uh, vapor bubble cannot survive anymore. So they are completely pressurized by the fluid, and when they are too much pressurized, we say that the, basically the idea is that the two interface, this is the shell of the bubble, is going to hit, to contact, hit each other. Mm-hmm. And this is creating a shock wave of pressure. Okay. And this shock wave of pressure is a disaster <laughs> because this is this shock wave that is going to hit materials or soft tissue or anything. And it, it's so important. To give an idea, in propeller or in uh, chips, it can. This is things that can reach uh, gigapascal or something like that, and it created what we call erosion. So it means that your material is damaged by the repetition of this impact on the material. Indeed, even the smallest bubbles can create catastrophic events in materials. I'm telling you this, and I assume that most of you can't realize why or how. But imagine, in some specific configuration. The temperature inside a popping bubble can reach 20,000 degrees Kelvin. That's almost four times the temperature at the surface of the sun. Granted, all these temperatures are for fractions of seconds, 
but if there are thousands and thousands of bubbles acting, that creates problems. However, to begin to study bubbles bursting, there are so many phenomena that are happening simultaneously because of temperature, velocity, phase change and pressure, and all that in one single bubble. So how do you simplify such a phenomenon? For us, actually, the, the first idea for me was during my PhD to go to try to create and understand this phenomena of erosion. So before making cloud or bubble repetition collapse, we are starting by one bubble, one single bubble. We make it collapse. So basically how we collapse it, basically it's a, you put a bubble. What I've done was doing was a bubble at atmospheric pressure. And you put the surrounding pressure at 10 times the uh, atmospheric pressure, 100 times, or you send a shock wave, a planar shock wave that, that have uh, more important pressure. Mm -hmm. These things will create a disequilibrium in your bubble, so it will make your bubble collapsing. So what I do, I was doing is doing do high, let's say high accuracy code that are able to make a simulation where you. You follow the evolution of the step like uh, every 0.1 nanosecond, basically, and to have a really, really accurate vision of the collapse. And the idea is to then see with this collapse what will be the pressure that we will, the amplitude of the way we are creating. Computing powers help us at the moment to study phenomena like this for steps that are less than a nanosecond. That's less than a billionth of a second. Please go to YouTube and search Admiral Grace Hopper explains the nanosecond to understand how much that is. However, Dr. Paquette had another challenge to deal with. Since he's studying an interface, he needed to study both the fluid and the solid and the interaction between the two. So there are codes that are extremely accurate for fluid only problems other codes for solid-only problems, but there are not that many for the interaction of the two. Because the idea is when you have one code that is working, basically, you cannot send uh, normally information to another one. Basically, for example, if you, let's say, take a simple example, you play to two video games. Mm -hmm. If you write a message in one video game, you will not receive it in the second video game. This is the same idea. So what I was doing, it was using what we call a message interface library to make, despite the fact that these two, let's say, closed box separate, communicate these two codes to each other. And one is dedicated for the fluid mechanics, so all the bubble effect and the collapse. And one is dedicated to the solid mechanics, which means all the martial properties, the deformation, the fracture. And these two codes, they are linked by one thing. This is the interface between the two, which is basically a common border that both belong to the fluid and the solid. And this is on this part, the interface, that I try to communicate physical data that can be pressure of the fluid, velocity of the fluid, temperature of the fluid, or, for example, velocity of the interface um, or displacement of the interface for the solid. Now, before we go a bit deeper into this, let me explain two concepts. Finite element method and finite volume method. In general, in a finite method, 
we take a big problem like how will a rod bend if I apply a specific force at this place? Then we break the geometry in many many smaller parts, study each part individually and then combine all of the solutions to see how the large problem reacts. I will not go into mathematics because that's going to be a bit too complicated, especially without a visual aid. However, in finite elements, the properties of each element are calculated in every node, and in a finite volume, they are calculated in every set. Quite simplified way of explaining this, but I think it's enough to understand this next bit by Dr. Paquette. So this is all the let's, funny part of this uh, okay. <laughs> of this kind of work is that one uh, the fluid code is finite volume and the okay. solid code is, is finite element. So you have two different ways to solve the, your problem, two different uh, ways to make your simulation. And the idea is, despite this way of resolution are completely different is to link them thanks to this famous interface between the fluid and the solid. The problem is finite elements are really good for solid mechanics. We can use it for fluid mechanics, but actually the best, uh, let's say, especially for this dedicated problem of bubble collapse, the more accurate and the more developed code are all finite volume. So this is uh, the main idea. So the fact is, if both code were finite elements, it would be perfect. Because we were using more or less the same description of the of the phenomena, and it will be perfect. But this is the funny part of the work. <laughs> this is not the case. This is idea in fluid mechanics. We are mainly using the Eulerian description, which means basically that you are putting different spot of observation, and you look stay on this spot, and you look how your fluid particles are moving regarding this spot for the solid. It's more useful to use a Lagrangian one. And in Lagrangian, this is the opposite. You go for a spot, but this spot is moving in, accord, in agreement with the motion of your solid. So what you look is just the motion of the other spot compared to this spot. Okay, so now I wanted to know how someone can verify the results from a model that is so complicated to set up. It's a bit complicated because we kind of uh, basically this kind of experiment we don't have it uh, we don't have it that much. It's extremely complicated to let's say uh, make a make a bubble collapse uh, like uh, let's say uh, a bubble of vapor because basically most of the experiment as far as I know in for creating a bubble this is with uh, it will be mainly with laser which is basically boiling. Because the uh, laser, you bring energy, and but because uh, the way the bubble will collapse after, it's extre it's extremely close and similar to uh, let's say normal cavitation bubble, so we do we do like that. And after that, it's to make the uh, to study let's say uh, step by step your deformation. Okay. It's extremely complicated to have a sensor in experiment that will be like here localized and that will look. Step by step, we yeah. don't be destroyed. <laughs> what will be your deformation of your solid? So there is a lot of actually. There have been uh, some guys, some amazing guys that have been experimentally able to put camera that will able to resist and to look to the uh, erosion of the solid, like uh, in live, 
Mm-hmm. It was just amazing to see it, even if the resolution on this time was not crazy. Mm-hmm. Or there is a lot of people that try to make pressure sensor uh, behind, let's say, the impact point. Yeah. To have a pressure sensor to have an idea of the magnitude. But after that, what we were using is basically to try to validate this code or with analytical model. So basically, during my PhD, we have used uh, the analytical model of you have a wave, 1D, you have a wave hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, uh, we suppose that this wall is fully elastic, it is infinite. So basically, you by the equation, you have a connection of the value of the pressure on the wall and the value of the velocity of the wall. Mm-hmm. And we have checked that this is okay. And uh, what we are also doing, if you have experiments that are not, let's say, bubble collapse case, but that are basically you have a panel in water, you send a shock wave, this panel will move regarding to the amplitude and the direction of your shock wave. Yeah. And these things are being done experimentally. Okay. So we have value, localized value of the pressure, localized uh, value of this displacement of your panel, and you can compare your methodology with this kind of experiments that have been done. That is a lot of work, and this is another aspect of sharing in academia, where the results of one person in one field can be the verification of another person in a completely separate field. So people like Dr. Paquette do simulations like these to predict the life expectancy of a propeller, for example. They can find out when an object will deform permanently or even break completely. However, there is another nice application of this research. When we go to biomaterial now, this is not the same kind of solid, so this is not the same kind of process. So what we are looking for biomaterial, you have not this concept of plasticity in biomaterial, because basically it's, I would say it's more complex and more simple at the same time. They will deform much, 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 much more, but it means that even with a big deformation, they are able to come back to the initial state. But when the deformation is too big, you will have crack immediately. But what is also interesting with the soft tissue and biomaterial is that it's compared to metal, it's a more living uh, material. So you can create like porous and hole that will be temporary, and that we after the stress is uh, is back, they will come back to the initial state by maybe let's say I don't know scaring, curing, and you will just create a temporary damage inside your inside the solid. This is mainly ideas that they try to use for improve the drug deliveries. Basically, the idea yeah, is or to make a layer of medication or to attach uh, inside or outside the, the medication to the bubble and to use a collapse to driven this medication. Because when you have basically medications that are going in your blood cell, you will diffuse in a, let's say, not crazy layer after the, the wall of your blood, of your blood cell vein or arteria. If you are, let's say, able to create a bit more stuff in your tissue extremely temporary, you can allow to diffuse in a much important uh, way. This is things that are done in a really good way by a really good shown in a really good way by University of Oxford, I think. For me, my target already is in the first time to be able to simulate all this process of creating maybe a porous or breakdown in the or break in the uh, in the tissue. This is the main target, I would say, at m- of my postdoc and also of the uh, PhD projects that have been uh, involved in the same time. 
which is a European project which is studying basically the effect of uh, cavitation, uh, wave propagation, and soft tissue. And I know that the last thing is called histotripsy. So here is basically inside the soft tissue to create this kind of void or bubble or collapse of bubble to remove like uh, tumor or tissues that are already uh, that you want to uh, that you want to remove by creating the bubble inside I would say and with the collapse to detach it or to remove it from the body. One of the things that I wanted to explore when I talked with people like Dr. Paquette is time. Because the concepts in themselves that scientists work can be quite simple, like quite literally a bubble popping. However, the study of this and the development of tools can be quite tiring and a long process. So basically, when I start my PhD, I have, let's say, two basics. Who was my uh, fluid code? Who was yeah. developed already by University of Michigan, and my uh, my solid code that was uh, the one of the Commissaire Energy Atomic. And what I have in this solid code was interesting that I've already what we call a pressure boundary condition is like you consider you make the simulation and you consider that on one face you're applying pressure like a fluid pressure. But the problem is that my solid code, as it was existing, like of many, many code, it was like a rigid boundary. So the main part of my work was to implement this code, the possibility of to have deforming boundary and not with a uniform velocity, but with a velocity that can basically change every time step and every position of the space. So, and as I tell you previously, my code was with finite volume. So finite volume means you are, your spot is fixed in time and yeah. space <laughs> and look what is happening around him. So you can understand that when we reach the interface, one spot that will be both fluid and solid will have to be fixed to see what is uh, happening in the fluid around him by yeah. the fluid mechanics and the finite volume solution and moving by the finite <laughs> 11 method. <laughs> Which start to be a quite a problem. <laughs> a moving fixed point. So what we have uh, done to solve this problem is that there is extremely smart people that have built a methodology that is called a new kind of description that is called arbitrary Lagrangian Eulerian. So it means that you can they have developed a way to model the fluid really accurately, but with let's say uh, points that are not anymore stationary but that are not driven by the motion of the fluid. They are driven by the motion, let's say, of your... an arbitrary motion that you can give, basically, to the point. Okay. So, basically, it's like... Uh, I would say we were saying that there is the option of the spot that is fixed and you don't move. You have the option of, basically, you are in the particle of solid and you look the motion around this particle of solid. Here, I would call it a bit the boat. So you, you are on a boat, your boat is, doesn't really care how the fluid is moving around him, but is still in motion. Yeah. So you are looking what, how your molecules are moving, but from a spot that is in motion. So this is what we have implemented in the code, in the fluid code. So thanks to that, in the fluid code, we have now an interface from the fluid that is able to move and 
better than everything to move with a motion that we have decided to give it to him. And this motion, I don't know if we have been really smart, but we have seen that if we use the solid motion at the interface, it will be a really nice idea. So by this way, we have allowed yeah. ourselves to have like uh, an interface that is moving at the same velocity, both for the fluid and both for the solid. Yeah. And in the same time, that is able in the fluid to consider this motion of the interface when you are solving your equation in your solid code, in your fluid, in fluid code. Sorry. Basically, uh, so for writing it, I think it has been like... Uh, to make it work fully properly, this uh, this interface has been probably two, two years, two years, two years and a half on my PhD. Imagine that, two and a half years to develop the tools to actually do the research. And believe me, during that period, the stress and the depression that the academics go through is quite severe. Because there's a possibility that for two years, you will not technically produce anything for your institution or university. You begin to feel like a fraud and doubt what you're doing and even if what you're doing is worth it. That's it for another edition of Lefteris Ask Science. It is my belief that every work in the world can be interesting if seen by the eyes of the person doing the work. I hope you learned something today. If you're more interested in the topic, search engines are your friends. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do our PhDs either. Use the hashtag LefteriasAskScience to communicate with me and follow me on Twitter on Defteris underscore asks. Until we meet again, take care, keep learning, and be kind. <laughs>